Welcome to Inside the Writer's Head. In this podcast, you can expect conversations with writers and other lovers of books, journalism, libraries, and the literary arts. I am Paula Hansel, the Library Foundation of Cincinnati and Hamilton County's 2022 Writer-in-Residence. Today, I am pleased to speak with two young visionary writers and activists, Rimmel Cameron and Michael Thompson, about their literary and community work. So let me introduce my guests. Rimmel Cameron is, a, is Cincinnati's first Youth Poet Laureate, hosted locally by the nonprofit Wordplay. She is a senior at Summit Country Day School and an aspiring poet. Her poetry aims to build community, celebrate diversity, and share her Pakistani-American identity. Rimmel has received awards from the Scholastic Arts and Writing Competition and Mount St. Joseph University and has published in The Weight Journal and Blue Marble Review. She serves on the executive board for the National Diversity Coalition, a student-led organization dedicated to implementing diversity in schools, and was selected for the Regional Youth Leadership Program hosted by the Northern Kentucky Chamber of Commerce. She is also a tutor for middle school students through her local mosque. When she's not writing, she enjoys pursuing her interests in the sciences and in medicine. So hello, welcome, Remmel. Hello. We're glad you're here. Michael Thompson is an artist, designer, and poet. He takes on the role of artist as archivist, collecting things, spaces, and histories to add to his art and his life. Michael draws in sensibilities and practices from scientific and philosophical fields and enjoys collaborating outside the typical scope of the art world. His practice focuses on visual and human ecology, dignity, and nuance, using both his visual art and poetry as a manner of abolishing the compartmentalized reality which he experiences as an observer of the world. Michael Thompson's current work has found him using painting, journalism, and poetry in his multi-year project, Sanctuaries. Michael is a TEDx speaker and artist in residence at the Cincinnati Art Museum and the Contemporary Art Center, and is formerly resident at Cincinnati Shakespeare Company. He's even done some programming at our public library as part of his residency at the Contemporary Art Center. In the words of Richard Brodigan, Michael is in a constant process of thinking about things. Welcome, Michael. Thanks, Florida. Good to see you. You too. We're glad you're here as well. So let's let's hear from you. Let's uh, let's have you talk about your work and read some of your poetry. And Rimmel, I'm going to begin with you, if you are willing, and ask you to tell us about being Cincinnati's Youth Poet Laureate. I know you're just at the beginning of your tenure, but you've already been busy. Uh, so what have you done and what are your goals as Poet Laureate? It's honestly been a really beautiful and refreshing experience. I've had the opportunity to connect with so many amazing people who are also passionate about using poetry to foster meaningful change and who are curious about how our voices um, can really um, create connections. Mm -hmm. And I've also had the opportunity to continue exploring and developing my writing style. I believe poetry, it's a journey. So being able to serve as um, the first Cincinnati Youth Poet Laureate is just one part of my journey of continuing to 
learn about poetry and to continue developing my style of writing. Um, I've also had the opportunity to be a part of some really great events. The first event I did was the Poetry in the Garden event. Yeah. And that was my first. Yes, <laughs> thank I you. Know. I'm so glad you were with us. Me too. Um, that was my first actual spoken word event that I've done. And it was such a beautiful experience um, as I was able to have this platform where I was able to share a poem. I was able to share a vo my voice, something that was really special to me. Um, I've also had the opportunity to film a collaboration video with Living Undivided, which was also a really great experience. Um, I was also on Cincinnati Edition with Lucy May, and I got to talk more about my role as the Poet Laureate and why poetry is special to me. I also went to the Cincinnati Women's Club as well. Thank you, Pauletta, for that as well. I got to meet some amazing women. I got to listen in Pauletta as well, um, who shared some really beautiful poems. And one of the most recent events I did was at the celebration of Ohio Storytellers Party for the OTR International Film Festival. Um, I got to share a poem that was entitled My Name. And I just got to talk about the journey of really learning to love my name, really appreciating it. And the last event that I did was the Rise Up and Write Summer Camp. I was a guest speaker there, and I got to connect with some really amazing youth as well, which was very different from the other opportunities that I've done. Um, that was something I really enjoyed. And, oh, I forgot. I also was um, at the launch for Yaley's new anthology. I mm -hmm. also performed a poem there, which was another great opportunity to connect with youth. So it's honestly been a really amazing experience, and I've really, um, been able to pursue these goals that I have of being a light of hope for youth, especially of amplifying the voices of those who are often underrepresented, of those who feel silenced. I think poetry, it's the language of humanity. So I really, one of my biggest goals is to encourage my community to seek the unheard poem within them and um, just to reflect how they can express that unheard poem and um, use their voice as a catalyst mm -hmm. for justice. Well, that's great. That's great, Rimmel. Now, I want to back up just a moment because you mentioned Yaley, and I know who she is, and Michael knows who she is, but just to make sure that everybody who is listening also knows who she is, can you, uh, can you tell us a little bit more about Yaley and the book uh, launch that you were part of? Sure. Yaley, she is a beautiful person. I love her. She, um, she is the Poet Laureate for the Mercantile Library, and she recently joined... Yeah. And City of Cincinnati, Mercantile Library in Cincinnati, yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. She also recently joined um, WordPlace team as well. So I've been working closely with her with my Youth Poet Laureate role. Mm -hmm. And we've been brainstorming like different projects that I can do with my role. And um, she's been really a really um, helpful guide. She's been a really helpful support system mm -hmm. through this journey and really making sure that um, my vision as the Youth Poet Laureate, it can come to life. That's great. And the book that uh, that you referred to, we'll need to uh, want to make sure that we share information about that uh, at on our on our website as well. But do you can you tell us a little bit more about the about the book that you read from? Sure. So um, the launch, the book was called What You Need to Know About Me, Young Writers on Their Experiences of Immigration. And so this book, it's an anthology of different of poems, of visual art, of just different essays um, from students who 
come from an immigrant experience and they've just penned down like their thoughts, their experiences, um, their emotions. Mm -hmm. And it's a really powerful um, book because it's a book of storytelling. It's a book of stories. Um, so that's what the launch was for. It was for that yeah. anthology, that that book that Yaley helped um, to bring to life. So I was um, I had the opportunity to be there and to listen to some of the students who contributed to that book. And I also shared one of my own poems. It was not part of the book, okay. but it was a poem that um, it relates to that theme of identity. Got it. Yeah, that's and that is so much, so much you, I would say, Remmel, the theme of, mm -hmm. of identity. So I'm so glad that you were able to, to be part of Yaley Kamara's launch. So will you read us one of your poems? Sure, I would love to. This first poem that I will be reading, it's called Home, and it's a poem about, it's about my mom. She normally is a big part of my poetry because she's played an important role in my identity. Home. June hues yawn overhead. Pinks and yellows tinted with melancholy. Winds sticky with the sweat of the immigrants dreaming as mama sits on the front porch. The smallness of her body clothed as a rose's bud with patched patterns of Pakistan laced around her limbs. The glossy beads of a thusby flattened in the curvature of her palm as copper rusted resilience. Her fingertips pressed tight against the cool marble of her chai mug as false bleed between her wrists the purplish nectar trailing her knuckles like the paths of her youth, as the blacks of her eyes are fixed upon a swift caravan of ants, tickling her flushed skin and slurping the sweet juice with their greedy tongues. Yet mama does not hesitate to welcome these critters and offer her mere relic of home as she beckons the brutal bugs with the slight curve of her lip and the gentle squint of her eyes, making refuge on her skin, her warm breath whispering to the lone shadow beside, a hurting him for home. Mm, thank you so thank much, Ramal. That's lovely. I'm so glad we got to hear that. Thank you. And we'll be talking more with Remmel, but now Michael Thompson. And I need to confess that I was one of Michael's creative writing teachers at Thomas More University. Um, and since graduating in 2020, Michael, you have been incredibly prolific as a writer, as a speaker, as a poet. So tell us about your work, both on and off the page. Um, I, think, I think it's funny to be introduced as a speaker sometimes because uh, the, the thought of being a speaker is, is a funny proposition to me because the things that I'm often speaking about are the, the work that I'm doing as an artist or as a poet. Um, and unless I'm doing those things, I don't have anything to talk about, right? <laughs> I understand. <laughs> so I'm glad you have things to talk about. <laughs> exactly. Me too. Um, but yeah, it's, it has been an incredible year for me. Um, I graduated last May, like you said, and I uh, kind of hit the ground running. Um, I have been back and forth working uh, in different disciplines as a poet and as an artist kind of on and off. And I try to find ways for those fields to collaborate uh, as much as I can. 
you obviously introduced a lot of the the roles that I've had um, as far as the the titles, et cetera. But as far as the work that I'm doing and the reason that I'm doing it is I'm, I'm doing a lot of work right now that is focused on space and human ecology. So I'm extremely interested in the way that our built world and that nature affects the individual. And I just finished exhibiting my first post-grad body of work sanctuaries at Cincinnati Art Museum this weekend. Um, and sanctuaries has been the, the kind of bulk of the work that I've done over the past uh, six to eight months. Okay. And it's a ethnographic project, which essentially means that I'm doing qualitative on-site research with different individuals in their space. And so I have interviewed a plethora of other black and brown creatives in different creative fields on sacred space. And all of those interviews were conducted on site and a place that they identified to be their sanctuary. Um, all of those interviews were then transcripted and will eventually be part of a book by the same title, um, which will juxtapose those interviews, my own essays and poetry on the philosophy of space and the importance of space, and then photographs of the paintings um, and of that I took on site during the interview process. Oh, that sounds great. Um, and how long will it be at the Cincinnati Art Museum? So it, it actually just closed on the- Oh, August it just 14th. closed. Oh, no. But, but it'll, it'll be someplace else later, though, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll, do, um, I'll be doing like a circuit with it. So I'll um, exhibit it probably two to four other galleries. And then there will be a second volume of it next year as well. Okay. That's excellent. So, how did you uh, how did you come to choose that uh, that theme, sanctuaries? Um, it, it started from from two two different concepts that I had been mulling around in my head for a long time. the The first of them being that I was very intrigued by the way that I was changed when I entered different spaces, mm -hmm. especially moving to Cincinnati in 2021. I began to really invest in the places in my community. And I noticed that as I entered different spaces, whether it be libraries or nature preserves or coffee shops or my friends' homes, and I began to have this feeling of the, the intimacy of proximity to a city. I, I felt myself being altered by those spaces. And the, the second part that the project was born out of was this troubling theme that I had noticed in the arts um, and in academia of black and brown artists being specifically exploited for work that focused on trauma. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes the, the work that's being highlighted by BIPOC artists is work that is solely focused on um, trauma or suffering or the ability to overcome that. And I think while that's certainly part of the conversation, it's not the whole conversation. And I really wanted to focus on the nuance of the individual rather than focusing on some sort of homogenized narrative about what black and brown art is. And I found that the best way to do that was to enter into very intimate places with 
people in the creative field and allow them to speak about their space. So I had a concept of where I was going to start, but I picked out my individuals and I asked them to invite me into a space with them, but I had no idea what the spaces were before the project started. And I tried to put no words in their mouth. I had a few questions that I asked everyone to have a cohesive thread, but overall the space and the conversation was completely directed by them. Yeah. Oh, that sounds brilliant. Thank you, Michael, for taking that project on. And I'm sorry I missed it this round. I need to make sure to to see it when it when it hits other other galleries. Yeah. Well, well, will you read us uh, a piece of your writing, either okay. from that project or any place else that you would, would choose to, to read from? I will. I actually wrote a piece just for today. I wrote some new work just for you, Paul. Oh, oh, cool. Thank you, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So this piece is titled Alchemy, the Ship of Theseus and Women in Their 40s. Until May of 1963, Catholics were banned from cremating their dead. The Vatican cited it as an act of disbelief in the resurrection of the body of Christ. During Muslim prayer, worshipers all turned towards Mecca as an act of ritual, following instructions given to the Prophet Muhammad in 624 AD. My family's house was built and unbuilt simultaneously. Every board was removed and replaced with one identical to it. We were a constructed paradox, guided neither by Greek philosophy nor American romance. The boards of the floor face east, and I used to align my feet with them, my toes parallel to the wood grain. So at noon, when my body would cast its most articulate shadow, it might roll off me in a straight line, like Spanish conversation or feathers falling inside a vacuum. I stuff my pockets with my father's old things, keys, bullets, dollar bills, liquor, almonds, left behind in his office as I turn it into my studio. As I leave the home, the objects move away in a funeral procession escorted from one location to another by the rooms that hold them. Mines, machine woven $12 denim and manila envelopes annotated and inscribed on the bottom left side of the page alongside a phone number and a name. They follow my gate from point A to B and everyone stops to gawk as we run through every red light slowly. The living things and the dead living things, all attaching themselves to my body, moving at the same momentum towards the ground. The day that my grandma died, I did not cry. I kissed her face the day before and she could not move her mouth to respond to me, her mind having slowly disconnected bodily functions from her soul over time. The next morning when I awoke to expectant news, I retreated into the words of women whom I had and had not been romantically involved with. I stood by my mother as a man with wandering eyes and words approached her multiple times to express his condolences. My sisters did the same, as did my younger brother, tall and awkward, 
as his growing pains were so acute, they sometimes made him cry in the night. During an autopsy, most of the blood is drained into sewage to be filtered and turned into water. Falling from the body unintentionally, destined to be replaced by chemical solution. Before anyone else arrived, in an act of haste, my aunt approached the coffin and removing a tissue from her blouse, scrubbed the mortician's makeup from my grandmother's embalmed lips, undoubtedly breaking the thread that prevented her mouth from dropping open into a silent scream as her jaw muscles loosened. We all retreat into our homes, split into three parts, like colors, God, and the dimensions of our lives. And we align our feet in ritual, building and unbuilding time as it moves on earth in a straight line, unaffected by gravity. Thank you, Michael. Thank you. I can see so many threads uh, coming together in that poem, including this, this question of sanctuary and place and connection. So thank you for that. So I would like to talk a little bit with both of you now, um, sort of pulling on some of those threads about the passion behind your work. You're both in very different stages of your life, although although both young, but uh, different places within that young. Uh, Rimmel is still in high school, and Michael is now out of college and making his way in the world as, as an artist. Um, but neither of you have taken a traditional path or are planning to take a traditional path through your young adulthood. And, and so, Rimmel, starting with you and, and then with Michael chiming in, um, could you talk to us about what drives your art and your arts leadership and sort of how you see that path uh, moving forward? Definitely, sure. Um, so for me, when I think of what drives my art, it comes down to vulnerability and authenticity. When I first started writing, I, which was when I first started writing poetry, that was in eighth grade, I used poetry as an outlet to express my thoughts and feelings um, without that fear of judgment. And it was this vulnerability that made me fall in love with poetry, how I was able to cultivate the space um, where my voice felt both honored and heard. And I believe feeling heard, it is one of um, the greatest human experiences. And it is this that drives my art leadership because when I write my poetry, I first like to challenge my community to explore their personal connections with grief, pain, and love. Then I like to challenge them to engage in storytelling and conversation through the active process of listening because I believe we are so quick to assume and formulate preconceived ideas of an individual. Um, that we don't take the time to reflect on how similar someone can be at an inner level. And then it is through this analysis, I think of both our personal human experiences and experiences of others that I believe we can come to learn um, our interconnectedness, our humanity. So it really comes down to authenticity and vulnerability. Mm -hmm. I think these two things are so important and we often, um, like to create these barriers. We often tend to create these divisions, but it's so important to sit down in front of someone and really um, 
talk about your story, to listen to the story of the other individual. And I think that's what poetry accomplishes. It allows for an individual's um, unique voice to shine through and to articulate their experiences. Yeah, and I can see too in your in your description of how um, you've really identified kind of what was helpful for you and what you've needed as an artist, and you're trying to find ways to bring that into your work with others. Does does that does that ring true for you? What I just said about yourself? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. How about you, Michael? Will you chime in? I mean, you've certainly shared much of, of your your passion and your drive and, and what you're what you, what as you've talked to us about what you're doing, but what else would you like to say about about that? I I think that the passion behind my work is is almost the work itself. Like my work is both the driving force and the result of my life. Um one of One of my favorite quotes is by the artist Tom Sachs, and he says that the result for good work is more work. And that's kind of how I see my everyday life is that if I can do a meaningful project, it's going to lead to something that is even more meaningful for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And at the same time, whether it be poetry or visual arts or speaking or teaching or whatever the medium is, I think everything is a tool to be able to reach different people in different places and ultimately to tell stories and have an impact on the world. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, like being, being an artist is one of the only career paths in the world, in the history of human existence, where you have nearly complete autonomy over what you do mm-hmm. and i want to give myself the greatest amount of autonomy to change the world in whatever capacity i'm able to as a human being and so to me being an artist being a poet whatever nomenclature you want to use is the single most effective way to experience the world and to translate that into something that can be used as an aid to other individuals and ideally to make the world a more peaceful, beautiful, sacred space. Yeah. Well, and and I think you've already answered this question in some ways, but I just want to uh, to ask Michael if you'd like to add anything to this. As is that what you see as the role of poets and other artists in civic lives? in the life of this, of our, of our community, of our country, of our world? I mean, how, how do you, how do you see we can make a difference? I certainly see that as my role. I don't think I'm in the position to say that that is the singular role of artists in society, because I, I think it would be somewhat ignorant for me to try and um, place those duties on every artist, because there's certainly other artists I know who are, um having an effect in different ways and maybe it is even more grandiose or um maybe slightly more trivial than whatever i have in my mind but to me certainly i think that that is my job um is for my art to become something that is greater than an individual item that is something greater than just the expression of myself, but that becomes part of an ecosystem. Um, 
I, I think that for other artists to take that mindset on it would be a very effective way. And I certainly think that art is one of the most effective ways to impact society. But I, I won't say that that's every, every artist's job. Very diplomatic response <laughs> in regard to that, but very passionate response as well. And, and I see uh, Rimmel nodding as, you're, as you are uh, speaking. Rimmel, how about for you? What do you see as being a role, perhaps not the role, but a role for artists, for poets? Uh, and how do you think we can make a difference? Yeah, I think, at least when I think of myself and why I write poetry and what that connection is to my community and to society, I think of the role of artists, the role of poets as vehicles for change and for communication. Um, I think, at least for me as a poet, I think my words, they're instrumental in increasing social awareness and challenging individuals to explore new ways of thinking and interacting with the world around them. Um, I think what makes poets um, so powerful is how they are able to connect with issues on a personal and emotional level. And I think um, as individuals, we long to feel to um, express those feelings. And I think that's what poets do. They're able to express those emotions that are often hard for many individuals to articulate. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why poets are important because they are able to instigate those discussions. They are able to challenge us to reflect on the human experience. Which, um, recognizing our humanity, it's important in our society. And not only poets, but all artists, they are all able to um, seek that humanity to accomplish that goal, but through their own journeys. It's unique to each individual. Yeah. So, Rima, where do you see yourself in 10 years' time? How, how do you see yourself using, using your gifts as, as poet and, and artistic advocate and activist uh, as you move farther into your life? Sure. So alongside my interest in poetry, I'm also very passionate about the sciences and especially medicine. And I feel like there's a connection between my work with poetry and my interest in medicine. And I hope 10 years from now, I will probably be nearing the end of medical school, but continuing to um, embark upon my journey with poetry, what I hope to do is really um, continue to learn, to explore what is the intersection between poetry and medicine. That's actually something um, I'm working on right now with Yaley, is trying to find um, trying to find ways to create some type of project where I can um, really bring awareness to how both poetry and medicine, I think they work towards what I mentioned earlier, vulnerability and authenticity. They work towards creating those human connections, whether it be between the poet and the reader or the doctor and the patient. So mm -hmm. 10 years from now, what I see myself doing is um, bringing my two interests together, poetry and medicine and really advocating for that. That's great, Rimmel. And Michael? Michael Thompson in his young 30s, <laughs> what will Thompson, he be doing? <laughs> um, I think the best answer I can give to that is that hopefully in 10 years, 33-year-old Michael oh. will have accomplished all of the goals 
of 23-year-old Michael. <laughs> because at that point, everything in addition is just bonus. Um, but I, I plan on changing the way that an artist impacts society. Um, I, I think that the opportunities are absolutely limitless. And I think that the goals and plans that I have when I'm 33 will probably be completely different than the ones that I have now. Hopefully the same values, but different, um, maybe different tangible goals at that point. Mm -hmm. And so I hope to continue to be an individual who is open to the many opportunities that are available every single day. Um, if, I think if the past year, two years, three years has taught me anything is that to try and predict where I will be even in two weeks is often to sell myself short. Yeah. Um, and so at, at 33, I, I hope that I am making an impact in whatever place I'm at at that point in my life. Thank you, Michael. Will you read us another poem? I'd be happy to. So this next poem that I'm going to read is called To Love a Stranger. And it was a poem that I wrote for Mary Oliver on the day that she died. To Love a Stranger for Mary Oliver. It is quite strange how we fall in love with people we do not know. Poets who look and sound much different than us, who have written the truths that we both hold in our hearts. When we garden, is it not the same earth that we love? And when we drink, is it not the same water that gives us life? There is no reverence more serene than that which exists in the silent conversations of people who do not know one another, but who know how to love. They say that the enemy of my enemy is my friend, Yet the friend of my friend is more so my neighbor. That was Michael Thompson reading his second poem of the interview. Rimmel Cameron, will you share another poem with us as well? Sure, of course. Um, the next poem that I will be sharing, it's called An Ode to Melancholy. An ode to melancholy we chant from scorched throats and peeling lips. Each note we speak tethered and teared as we toil to tend this starved nation, a nation starved of empathy, weeping breathlessly as the breath of innocence is choked between the taut fists of greed. And as our lungs swell for sweet hope, they shrivel small from grief's entry as we begin to become what we fear, scarred, silent, and sallowed, melancholy becoming more faithful than faith itself, abiding by our sides each hour as a ruined and restless promise. Prayers sputter from our teeth, carrying a language both cryptic and cramp as we crave for refuge in each other's wounded bones. 
longing to decipher the grief swallowed in our throats as we clench wet tears between our fingers. Yet this grief we cradle in our arms is no more than a timely telling, a witness to this broken unity, how we are more similar than we perceive. Grief is a letter penned by earth to its sons and daughters, a plea for humanity recited as the fraught in poem, how anguish means story and story means listen. For to listen is to birth change and to change is to grow. So may come as one through this grief, lacing the knot of kinship between our arms, chanting in each corner and crevice, our ode to melancholy. Thank you. Thank you, Remel. Thanks very much. So we friends are almost at the end of our time, but I do want to give each of you a chance if there's anything that is forthcoming uh, in the next few months that you want to make sure our listeners uh, know about, feel free to share that. And we'll also get that up on our on the blog that will announce this podcast as well. Michael, anything for you? Uh, I have a few things. Um, so I will be participating in Blink 2022. Um, so I'll have some work that's going up near Finley Market around October 8th. So if you want to come by that weekend to see me working live um, on a large scale, I'll be doing that. Um, I also have another group exhibition at Wave Pool in Camp Washington that will be um, on November 12th, opening on November 12th. And then I will be continuing to work on sanctuaries. So um, just keep an ear out for further exhibitions on that front. Um, and I, I'm also working on an ongoing, or I guess it's, it's starting and will be ongoing project um, related to sanctuaries where I've, I've just moved into a mid-century modern home that I will be curating and designing custom pieces for and have my full-time studio here as a collaboration with Gerald Cooper of Hood Mid-Century Modern and the Hood Century Residency. So hopefully down the line, we'll have some awesome industrial design to share with you, as well as some events that will take place at the house. That's so cool. Thanks, Michael. And how about Rimmel for you? I know that uh, you and, and Yaley are in the process of developing programs, but anything you'd like to share now about what's coming up? Um, I think... The only thing I can think of is next month is Wordplay's Cheer to 10 Years, a signature Wordplay Cincy celebration, which I will be planning um, to share my poetry at. So that's the only event that I know okay. of at the moment. But I'm hoping for some exciting things with the activities um, and projects that I'm working on with Yaley. That's excellent. We will look forward to hearing more about those as, as they become available. Final question is the one that we like to ask all our guests here at Inside the Writer's Head, and that is, what are you reading? Whichever one of you would like to start. Rimmel, it looks like Michael is handing the baton to you. What are you reading, Rimmel? We'd like to know. 
Sure. I'm actually, I'm reading a lot of books um, at the moment. The one, say the one that I'm most recently reading, it's called um, Blink, The Power of Thinking Without Thinking. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it's been a really interesting book. It's just kind of discusses the ways our minds work um, and how we, um, and how we look at things. So it's been a really interesting book. Well, that sounds excellent. How about, and it sounds like right up your alley too, Michael. What are you reading? Are you reading the same book? <laughs> is, is that is that by Malcolm Gladwell? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I thought so. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm reading a couple things. I'm one of those people who opens a billion books and never finishes any of them. But the two main books that I'm reading right now, um, the first one is called The Poetics of Space by Gaston Bachelard. He's a um, French philosopher, and the book was translated a long time ago. Uh, it's kind of a, a very niche, interesting book, but it's it's been really informative as I work on sanctuaries. Um, and then secondly, The Cinnamon Peeler by Michael Ndache. Mm. Um, he's, uh, if you're not familiar with him, he's an amazing poet and novelist. Um, he won the Man Booker Award Award. Um, he is a Sri Lankan poet, uh, and his work is absolutely insightful. Um, so I highly recommend that book to anyone. Sounds great. These are wonderful recommendations from both of you. And thank you so much, Rimmel Cameron and Michael Thompson. And that's it for this episode of Inside the Writer's Head. We hope you'll keep joining us for in-depth conversations with writers and other lovers of books, journalism, libraries, and literary arts. Thanks for listening.